Our scripture for today is from the 12th chapter of Romans, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to come into this place this morning with your word and with your spirit and just ask you to open our hearts and our minds to just everything you know we need to hear today. Please be with Reed as he delivers your message and just give him your insight and your boldness to speak your truth here. We just want to thank you for all the blessings that you give each one of us every single day, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Well, we are in a series called The Spirit-Filled Church. And we talked about how Worship is an integral part of a spirit-filled church. Worship is an integral part of being blessed. It's an integral part of being happy. And how as we worship, we experience the light of God's presence and the smile of God's face. And this morning, I want to talk to you about another component of worship that is especially sweet to God. And it's absolutely crucial to your relationship with him. And that is worshiping God by offering your whole self and every area of your life in a complete and unconditional surrender. You hold nothing back from God, but you give yourself up completely and absolutely to him. You abandon yourself completely to God. You, you risk everything and jump into his arms and yield to him completely. Romans 12, 1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's the latest NIV version. Present yourselves or give yourselves as a sacrifice to God. In the Old Testament, the sacrifice was slain, first slain or killed, and then totally consumed on the altar. We remain living, we remain alive, but we give ourselves in this total or complete way as a living sacrifice to God. And this is how you are to worship God. This is how we worship God. Or this is true and proper worship, as the NIV says. Some translations say this is your reasonable worship or your spiritual worship. But the point is, your whole life must worship God. Everything about you, everything you do in your body and with your body is to worship and adore and please God. 
I grew up hearing an old hymn played in, in my home, sung by uh, an Irish tenor. I don't remember his name, but it was, I can still hear it ringing in my ears. The name of the, the song was, Is Your All on the Altar? And the words go like this, Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. That's true worship. That's what being a living sacrifice is all about. That's what's offering yourself or your body to God is all about. Is your all on the altar laid this morning? The 1828 Webster Dictionary says, Worship is to honor someone with extreme love and extreme submission. Something about that I really like. Worship is to honor someone with extreme love and extreme submission. Or to me, when I read those words, it seemed like you could say, Worship is to honor someone with extravagant love and extreme obedience. That's what offering yourself or presenting yourself as a living sacrifice means. The word worship is from two old English words, worth and ship. Uh, Worth, of course, means something is of great value. And ship means something like having to do with. Uh, Friendship means having to do with a friend or with friends. So worship means having to do with worth, something of great worth. So when we worship, we are saying, God, you have great worth to me. You are worthy Or God has great value to me. And because he is so worthy and because he has great value to me, I offer, I give myself, I present myself, I yield myself to him. And we communicate that God is worthy certainly by by praising God, by singing. But worship also has this other dimension that we're talking about today. It is saying that God is worthy... And believing that, meaning that in a way that demands my all, that demands everything I am, demands my body, my personality, all that I am as a person. He is worthy of my devotion, my sacrifice, of anything that he would ask me to do or anything that I would ever be called upon to go through. He is worthy of me loving him with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength no matter what. And that no matter what that I added at the end is really important. He is worthy of you loving him and worshiping him and offering yourself to him with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and body no matter how things go, no matter what you may gain or lose, whether you lose your job or your house or your friends. He is worthy of you being offered to him in this all-out kind of sacrifice through all kinds of blessing 
and good things and through all kinds of suffering and pain, he is worthy of your worship. The worship of your whole entire life. There's a certain quality about people who worship God in this way that to me seems evident in about two minutes when you're around them. And it was evident in Rami's life last Sunday morning, last Sunday night. He's presented himself as a living sacrifice to God. When you're around these kind of people, you can tell that obeying and pleasing God is more important to them than anything else in life. They may may lead a very normal life in their work or their business or their home or their family life, but there is a passion within them to honor God, to give themselves to God, to love God and to know God and to exist for God and for His pleasure. There's nothing phony about it. It It comes out of a heart that sees God as worthy of me offering him everything that I am. And a spirit-filled church will be full of people like this. A spirit-filled church will be full of people who worship God in this all-out sort of way. And as uh, in this series as being a spirit-filled church and as we worship God, we're gonna, we've talked about different aspects of, it, of worship but we want, we want to be full of church, a, a church full of people who, who have this extreme or extravagant love, this extreme obedience or submission to God, this complete giving over of ourselves as a people to God. You know, we see an example of this kind of worship in Acts twenty twenty four. Paul said, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Verse is kind of a mouthful, but what Paul was saying, God is of so much value to me, God is so precious to me, that I would not let my own life get in the way of finishing what he asked me to do, even if it kills me. I do not consider my own life as precious to me in order that I may finish what he has asked me to do. So this is the kind of, of worship. This is the kind of whole body worship. This is the kind of whole life worship that we're called to in Romans 12, verse 1. Paul begins the verse by saying, I urge you, I urge you, brothers and sisters. The Amplified says, I appeal to you and beg of you. In other words, Paul was saying, what what I'm about to say to you about worship is extremely important, and is, it is extremely important that you give yourselves to this kind of worship. I urge you to worship God in this way, in this way that I'm going to describe. But then before he tells us how we are to worship, he tells us why 
we worship. And this is so critical. I mean, we've, we've talked about this, this sacrificial, this all-out kind of worship, and we're going to come back to that. But before we get too far down the road with that, we have to remember why we worship in this way. And that is because of the profound mercies of God. It is, it is because of the profound benefits and goodness and loving kindness of God towards you. I urge you by the mercies of God. Worship is not some great thing we do to somehow get God to like us or to forgive us or to accept us. Worship is not climbing 5,000 steps on your knees or checking into a monastery for the rest of your life to somehow gain merit and approval with God. We do not worship for acceptance and approval. We worship from acceptance and approval. We worship from a place of receiving God's mercies. If we were to worship for acceptance, that would be bondage and slavery. It would be awful to have to always try to be worshiping for acceptance and approval. But worshiping from acceptance is liberty and joy. And so we worship because of the profound mercies and benefits and grace and goodness and loving kindness and tender affections of our Heavenly Father for us. So worship is something we do gladly. This presenting of ourselves to God, this this complete, total, sacrificial presenting of ourselves to God is is something that we that we don't do reluctantly but we do gladly we we come and we and we say yes lord i i present myself to you i present my body i present my whole personality everything about me i present to you because i see what you have done for me because i've got a glimpse or a vision or a revelation of your mercies to me Our response is something like, I have received so much from his hand. I have received so much from, the, from my father. I, I want to do something for him. If there is only some way I could do something for him for all he's done for me. If there is only some way I could serve him because of his mercies to me. Prior to this verse, Paul has spent most of the book of Romans uh, explaining these mercies. He has explained the awful condition that we were in apart from God, how God's wrath was revealed against the sinfulness of men, how all had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, how we could do nothing to save ourselves, and yet how God provided a righteousness for us as a free gift through faith in Christ. God, by a complete act of grace through Christ, put us in a state of peace with himself. He put us in, a, in, a, in this grace, in this marvelous, amazing grace in which we stand. He put us in Christ and made us heirs of life. He made us to reign in life in Christ Jesus. He set us free from the bondage of sin and from the practice of sinning and from fear and condemnation. He sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts to confirm to us that we 
are children of God, sons and daughters of God. We're no longer slaves serving Him out of fear, but sons serving Him out of love and reverence. He released us from condemnation. He gave us the power of the Spirit to live a new life. And nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And in view of all this goodness, in view of all this love and mercy, we present our whole self as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now Paul specifically says here that we are to worship God with our bodies. I don't think he was limiting it to somehow our our physical bodies. I think he means certainly everything about us. But it does and must include our bodies. We worship God with our bodies. We worship God by what we look at with our eyes, by what we do with our hands and fingers, what we think about with our minds and in our minds, what we say with our tongues and our lips, where we go with our feet, in our eating and drinking, with our sexuality. Everything we do in our bodies and with our bodies is to be holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is true worship, Paul says. So when you use your hands or fingers to type an email or send a text that is pleasing to God, you are worshiping Him. You worship God when you prepare food with your hands for your family or someone in need. Uh, when you use your hands to help someone, when you lay your hands on someone to pray for them, when you use your arms and hands to hug someone that that needs an embrace or needs an encouragement, when you raise your hands in worship and adoration. Paul said, he said, I want the the men everywhere to raise up holy hands in prayer to God. Your hands are dedicated. They are to be dedicated for the Lord's use. You worship God when you use your tongue to pray or to bless someone or to pray for an enemy or to bless someone with peace or to speak peace to someone or to share a Bible verse or a word of prophecy. When you bless those who have wronged you, you are using your tongue for Worship. You are worshiping God with your tongue. You worship God when you use your lips to express gratitude and thanksgiving. It specifically says this in Hebrews 13, 15. It says, Through Him, through Jesus Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When you use your tongue and your lips to bless and praise and thank the Lord, you are using a part of your body to worship God. You worship God by keeping yourself sexually pure. It's an act of worship. 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, Your body is not meant for immorality, but for the Lord. Your body is not for immorality. Your body is for the Lord. 
So the young person or the single person worships God by waiting till marriage for sexual relations. The married person worships God by being faithful to their spouse. It's an act of worship. It's a part of presenting your entire being, your body, and every part of you, and everything that you do in your body as an act of worship or as a living sacrifice to God. Your mind, your, your brain, maybe we might say, your mind is to worship God by what you think about and by what you've put into your brain and allow into your brain, what you allow your mind to dwell on. Philippians 4, eight says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And not only because it will bring peace to your mind and heart, but because it's an act of worship to God. You worship God by what you think about and how you think. Have you presented your mind? Have you presented your mind to God? Have you given your mind to God as a living sacrifice? Really? I mean really. I'm serious. Uh, You talk to some people and you can tell that their minds have not been on things have not things have not been running through their mind that are true and good and lovely that are thoughts of God that are thoughts in agreement with the word of God and with the spirit of God so paul calls us in this verse to this all out total abandonment to God as a living sacrifice and we do it gladly because of of the extreme mercies of God. We give ourselves back to God in an extreme way because he has been so extremely good and merciful and loving to us. Now, I want to move on and share with you five examples that I've pulled from scripture uh, of this whole person kind of worship that I believe that we're called to in Romans 12, verse 1. And I consider these some of the greatest acts of this kind of whole life or whole body kind of worship in the Bible. First, Jesus. In Philippians 2, it says that Jesus humbled himself to his Father by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. More than likely, none of us here will be called to an act of obedience that results in death. But the willingness, the readiness of Jesus to go not only to death, but even to death on a cross. One of the most horrific kinds of death a person could ever experience. The willingness of Jesus. He became obedient to the point of death, even death, death on a cross. And that readiness, that willingness, shows us something profound about worship. It is completely and wholly without any reservation 
without any condition. Paul himself lived with this kind of worship, which he, he obviously learned from his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said that, that now is always Christ, or his ambition, his goal, he said that now is always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. It was like, either way, I, I just want Christ to be so exalted. And I want him to be so exalted so badly that whether it's by, by me living or dying, in a sense, it, it doesn't really matter. I want Jesus Christ to be exalted that supremely. I want it that desperately, whether it's by life or death. He didn't say, as, as I've heard people say, God better treat me right or I'm finished with him. Worship is seeing God as so worthy that no level of obedience for any amount of time is too extreme to show him and worship. Second, Abraham's obedience to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. This also is one of the greatest acts of worship in the Bible. He had waited for decades to have a son. God had promised him and Sarah a son, yet it never seemed to happen. They waited year after year. They waited for and they longed for a child. God had made all these fantastic promises that Abraham would be the father of many nations, uh, that through a son born to him all the nations of the earth would be blessed, and that would happen. It was through Abraham's son that Jesus Christ would be born into the world, but for year after year. Where was this son? But finally, Isaac was born when Abraham was, and Sarah were very old, beyond childbearing years. But yet, when Isaac was a young man, perhaps a young teen, God told Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Abraham, the Bible tells us, went clear to the point of taking out his knife to slay his son when God stopped him and said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to harm him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And whatever you and I may not understand about that story, uh, how, however difficult it may be for us to even grasp that kind of experience, it shows us the totality of our worship to God. Worship is letting God know that you would not withhold anyone or anything from him. Uh, a lady by the name of Deleslin Kennebrew said that true worship is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities. And for some reason, God wanted to know from Abraham where, 
where he was, where, where God himself was on Abraham's list of priorities. God wanted to know the priority that Abraham placed on God in his life. And when he sees your readiness, when he sees my readiness to offer up the most precious things in our life to him, when he sees our readiness, our willingness to do that, he sees that as true worship. Third, Job bowed down to worship God when he lost everything. He lost his sheep. His camels were all stolen. His livelihood, his business, completely crushed. Uh, a house collapsed on his children who were all killed in that tragedy. But the next verse says, At this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell down to the ground in worship. He said, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. May the name of the Lord be praised. Or in some versions and as we sing it in the song, or blessed be the name of the Lord. Job worshipped God when he lost everything because he saw God as bigger and more central than everything he possessed, even including his family. And he viewed God as worthy of it all, literally. He viewed God as worthy of worship in the midst of losing everything. When you can say, and I, I'm, I'm talking about some pretty, pretty deep things here, some pretty deep experiences. But when you can say, blessed be the name of the Lord, when you've lost everything. When you can say, blessed be the name of the Lord, when you've lost a child. That is worship. It shows that to you, God is worthy to be praised. Even after tragedy, even after disaster. Even, even after losing everything that seemed worth having to you and when you don't understand your life at all, when you can bow and worship and say, may the name of the Lord be praised, that is worship. Another great act of worship in the Bible that I think demonstrates Romans 12, 1 and 2, is Paul and Silas singing hymns to God in prison at midnight after being flogged. Acts sixteen twenty three says, After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. So just from that short verse... We know that their bodies had been severely flogged. You can only imagine what that had done to their backs and their flesh and their sides and their ribs. Their feet were in stocks, which was not a comfortable position to be in. So their their bodies were racked with pain from, from flogging and from, from being locked in these stocks. And yet, verse 25 says they were 
praying and singing hymns of praise to God. How could they do that? How could they do that? I think it's because they had already offered their bodies to God as a living sacrifice. They, they did not view, they did not view being bloody and beaten as something that should hinder their worship. That sounds like extreme thinking to us, but look at the extreme joy and worship that it led to in their lives. There's a certain kind of freedom that comes into your life when you give yourself to God in this way. There's a certain kind of freedom. You're no longer held captive to bad circumstances. You're no longer held captive to loss. You're no longer held captive to some of these kinds of things that you, that you would be or that you were before you offered yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Then consider uh, the poor widow in Mark twelve forty one. Jesus sat down opposite, opposite the place where, they, where the offerings were put and watched the crowd put their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in, has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. And that last phrase communicates a lot. She, all she had to live on. She had so committed, she had so committed the care of her body to God and perhaps children if she had them, but she had so committed the care of herself to God that she voluntarily gave all she had to live on. She saw God as worthy of her last two cents. And she saw God as worthy of her trust. You know, trusting God in your needs and your problems is a way that we worship God. It tells us something about the worth that we place in God. And this is true worship to trust God in the extremities of life. When, you, when, you've, when you're down to your last two cents and even that's gone. That is, is worship to trust God in the extremities of life. Now, when we say the word worship, I think the first thing that comes to our mind is probably singing or music or praise or perhaps lifting our hands. But these outward expressions of worship are to flow they are to flow out of this complete offering of ourselves to God that we're talking about this morning. Not the other way around. 
these things cannot replace you giving yourself as a living sacrifice. There is no substitute for giving up yourself in this way that Paul, Paul urges us to in Philippians, or Romans 12.1. So singing, uh, outward acts of worship like bowing down, lying prostrate before him, lifting our hands, clapping our hands or shouting praises to God, playing our instruments, they complete the experience of worship. But it starts with making our bodies a living sacrifice. And these, these, these things, I mean, I want to see these things in our church. I would love to come in here on a Sunday morning and see us so overfilled with joy that, uh, that we're leaping up and down, praising God, shouting to him, clapping. I mean, I, I love that. Um, but those things are only meaningful when they're connected to and flow out of a life sacrificed to God. And when they are disconnected from a whole life kind of worship, they are shallow and phony. So it all has to start right here with this this spiritual act of worship or there's a lot of controversy over whether it means spiritual act of worship or your reasonable act of worship. I tend to lean toward it that it means your true and proper act of worship. Um, But all these expressions of worship flow out of this reasonable, this true and proper worship. I want to close this morning by sharing the story of Polycarp. I don't know if you've any, many of you have heard of him. He was an early uh, person in the, in the church. And I've taken this from the uh, biblic, early uh, Bible historian by the name of uh, Eusebius. And this is actually taken from, a, from an actual document or from a letter uh, that was... Uh, that was written uh, by the church at Smyrna, uh, of which Polycarp was a part. Uh, and they, they published this story and then passed it around the uh, early churches in the second century. So Polycarp was a leader in the church at Smyrna about 130 years after the death of Jesus. There was a great persecution of Christians at this time under the reign of Emperor Marcus Aurelius. Some, seeing the animals and the impending tortures, some broke down and surrendered their salvation. That's the way Eusebius put it. But Polycarp was undisturbed and determined to stay in the city of Smyrna, even though his friends pleaded with him to escape. Three days before his capture, while at prayer, he saw in a vision the pillow under his head suddenly burst into flame, which he interpreted to his friends as foretelling that for Christ's sake, he would give up his life by fire. When he was captured, Herod 
the chief of police, not the Herod that we know of in, in the Bible at the time of Jesus. But when he was t- captured, Herod, the chief of police, and Herod's father, the father of the chief of police, tried to persuade him, saying, What harm is there in saying Caesar is Lord? What harm is there in saying Caesar is Lord and sacrificing to him and so be saved? Polycarp said, I will not do what you advise. When Polycarp entered the stadium where he would be martyred, a voice from heaven said, be strong and play the man, Polycarp. Many of our people who were there heard the voice. The Roman proconsul tried to dissuade him again, saying, Swear by Caesar, recant and say, away with the atheists. It's interesting that the Christians were considered the atheists because they didn't believe in all the Roman gods. Recant and say, away with the atheists. Swear by Caesar. Take the oath and I will set you free. Curse Christ. But Polycarp replied, for 86 years I have been his servant and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Listen carefully. I am a Christian. And if you wish to learn the teachings of Christianity, choose a day and you will hear them. The proconsul said, I have wild beasts. I will throw them at you if you don't change your mind. Call them, Polycarp replied, for we cannot change our mind. Again, the proconsul said, If you disregard the beasts, I'll have you consumed by fire unless you repent. But Polycarp declared, you threaten a fire that burns for a time and is quickly extinguished. Yet a fire that you know nothing about awaits the wicked in the judgment to come and in eternal punishment. A general shout arose from the crowd that Polycarp should be burned alive. As they were going to nail him to the grid for the fire, he said, Let me be, for he who enables me to endure the flames will also enable me to remain in them unmoved without nails. So they bound his hands behind his back like a noble ram from a great flock as a whole burnt offering acceptable to Almighty God. Polycarp prayed, O Father of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we know you, I bless you this day and hour, that I may with the martyrs share in the cup of Christ. May I be received among them today as a rich and acceptable sacrifice according to your divine fulfillment. For this reason, I praise you for everything. I bless and glorify you through the eternal high priest, Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, through whom be the glory to you and the Holy Spirit, both now and in the ages to come. Amen. And that was his last words before he was burnt. That's worship. He offered, he literally offered his body as a living sacrifice. And again, in all likelihood, you, you will never lose your life in such a way. But the same degree of devotion, the same sense that God is worthy of your life. 
The same sense that God has been so good to you that you could not possibly turn away from him should mark our lives too. And the same praise and blessing to God should flow out of our hearts and lips in the most extreme trials of our life. Let's pray. Father, I I pray that by your Spirit you would touch us today. I pray, God, that by your Holy Spirit you'd move us to present our lives to you in such a way today. God, we are thrilled by your mercies and your love to us. We are thrilled to be your children. We are so glad. Lord, we are overwhelmed at your mercies toward us, and we we gladly offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices. And our desire, our passion, our cries that we would be holy and pleasing to you. We offer our bodies to you in this way. We offer our personalities. We offer everything about ourselves to you, Lord. We come to you this morning in total abandonment, Lord, in total surrender. God, I pray that your spirit would do a real work here among us today. I pray for those here to, who here today who've never never really yielded them, themselves wholly to you. May that happen right here this morning. May you move their hearts to do that today, to present, to give, to yield, to offer themselves unto you. Lord, give all of us an understanding of your mercies that that would lead us to serve you and live for you as, as a living sacrifice and to do it gladly. Lord, we want to be a church, we so badly, Lord, we want to be a church that is filled with your spirit and is honoring to you. We want to be a church that worships you. We want to be a church that, that worships you with our whole lives. Lord, certainly we want to be a, a church, as we've already talked in previous messages, we want to be a church that celebrates you, that, that acclaims you, that applauds you, that praises you, that sings and even dances and just has great exuberance before our God and our King. But Lord, we know that that, that needs to start with making our lives a, a living sacrifice. God, I pray. For the young person who's here this morning, uh, the teenage young man or young woman that is here, I pray, Lord, that you would open their, their heart to make this message make sense to them. And I pray that you'd move in their hearts to, to give themselves to you in a, in a new and a total way today. Lord, I pray for the person that's been, been a believer for a long time and, and maybe has to the best of their knowledge and ability presented their so, themselves to you as a living sacrifice, but, but yet maybe, maybe there's things that have come to mind this morning that in a new way need to be given over to you, Lord. And for all of us, Lord, we, we, we want to um, 
give ourselves to you as a living sacrifices as as a living sacrifice to the to the complete degree or to the to the ex, to the extreme degree I'll say that that your word calls for lord and we uh, so we ask you god by your spirit to come and do this uh, we are glad to belong to you lord and uh, make us a different people lord from from this message, I, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.